0: Welcome back to another episode of Stories, brought to you by Kiosk M1C. Kiosk M1C is the voice of Lower Stable Street and has curated all shops, events and exhibitions on Lower Stable Street since Up Shard first opened back in 2018. Their mission has been to support new businesses and provide an environment in which they can thrive and grow. I'm Maria Handlon and in each episode I'll be finding out the real stories of how these businesses have developed and how the community has helped shape their journey. In episode 21, I speak to Greg, the founder of Old Hag. Old Hag are the buffeters of Scottish Gran. Greg launched Old Hag in lockdown with his partner and it started with deliveries of hot haggis and tatties cooked in their flat for friends and Instagram followers. In this episode, Greg brings us up to date with what's happened since then, including residencies and collaborations, cooking for the Scottish government and his new shop, which will be London's first ever Scottish cafe deli, which opens in January next year. I love finding out more about Greg and his business and I hope you do too. Here we go, this is episode 21 with Greg from Old Hag. So could you introduce yourself and tell me your role at Old Hag?
1: My name is Greg Boyd and I am the founder of Old Hag.
0: So Greg, what is Old Hag for people that don't know?
1: So Old Hag is a Scottish food and drink business which is based in London it's a business which evolved quite a lot over the years. It started off as me literally cycling haggis to people's doors. Then it became a market stall, which we did for about a year and do sometimes now. Then we started doing some pop up uh, events and some catering for the Scottish Government, which is something we still do. That's huge. And now we're opening a Scottish Daily in Angel in January 2024, so that'll give us a chance to do some baking and cooking and have a bunch of products all from Scotland.
0: Amazing, exciting times. So when did you first get into food? When did it all start?
1: So the story is that when I was a kid, I was probably about 15, um, I went out with my mates and I drank a full bottle of Buckfast. Uh, underage obviously Uh, not very good but my mum being the the strict mum she was she grounded me for the full summer holidays so I was kept in for the whole summer and I had nothing else to do but just watch cooking shows so I started to watch Jamie Oliver's Jamie at Home and I watched River Cottage so they were like the two programs I watched every single day and like growing up my diet was terrible so I ate all I ate was square sausage and potato (laughs) waffles um, so, and I had some beans sometimes, you know, for, for veg, uh, but that was it. Baked
0: beans or Baked actual beans, green beans? Baked
1: beans for veg, right, you know, yeah. that was as good as it got. So when I watched those cooking shows and I was like kept indoors, I seen them cooking steak, I seen them making potatoes that they just dug out of the garden. So I was totally inspired to do something different. So I spent my, all my money on on, um, on cooking kit that Christmas and then I started to practice became pretty good at cooking and started cooking for my mates and then that was it really so for the rest of my life I just that was my hobby.
0: That is such a good story I feel like that's a very wholesome way of being grounded <laughs> yeah. like watching like lovely I mean but first and
1: wholesome shouldn't really be. I mean yeah maybe sentence, not that but, but
0: the bit after I that love that. It. So I know you launched in lockdown so could you take me through the journey of how Old Hag first began?
1: Yeah so in January 2021 it was just coming up to Burns Night and at Burns Night all of us Scots eat haggis, and we have that with potatoes and turnips. so We call it haggis, neeps, and ties. And there was nowhere in London you could get it at Burns Night, and it was also locked down at the time. So you know we're all stuck indoors. And I've been thinking for years we need to have more Scottish food and drink places in London. There's like seventy five thousand Scottish people in London, but there's no any any options for us. Like you can't get like a pint of tenants or a morning roll or Empire Biscuits, which probably don't mean much to you. But that's kind of like the food and drink that we have up in Scotland. So overnight, I literally set up an Instagram, set up a website. I gave people the chance to order Haggis, Sneaks and Tatties from me, which I'd make in the flat. Then I'd cycle it in my backpack to their house. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: So I was taking orders. Obviously, I could only take one order at a time. So I'd have to drop it off and then cycle back, make some more, drop it off.
0: That's exhausting, a lot of exercise too.
1: Yeah, lots going on. Um it's a bit, bit of a because I was like taking it in my Patagonia rucksack, which isn't really made to you know carry food. So when I got to their house it was like smashed all over the place <laughs> and I, honestly, I couldn't even charge people for it. I just had to do it for practice.
0: <laughs> so you were barely making any money, you're exhausted. I wasn't all the time. honestly
1: I was just trying to do it just to see if there was a mark out there if people wanted to place orders. And we, we did get a few orders, nothing crazy, but um it was enough to like keep me busy and a lockdown period where, we, as I say, I wasn't doing anything at the weekend anyway. So then we continued on doing that for a few months and then when it got to April that year, lockdown restrictions were lifted. So I applied to get a food market stall at a spot in Hackney and we got the spot and then I did that throughout the whole summer, just trading, building a following, expanding the menu, so adding extra things to the menu and it wasn't just haggis. And then we did some collaborations as well with some other really, really good Chefs, you know, way better chefs than me. Um, some really good food businesses, and then through that, our following just grew. And then it was probably that that autumn. I think we we got asked to come down to Coldrappshire and join this market. So I actually moved all all things down here. Um, we started trading again through this period, that period, on to Christmas. We did the Christmas market, and it was great to be here because everyone who gets off the train at King's Cross is from Edinburgh people heading back up to Scotland going at to King's Cross. So we then obviously tapped into a bit of a Scottish market and got the word out there. And then it was the following spring when we came back to the market, someone from the Scottish government was passing through, tried the foods and must have liked it. And then they emailed me the next week asking if we wanted to cater for them at Scotland House in Blackfriars. So we've been wow. doing that ever since. And then, yeah, that takes us up to where we are now.
0: Amazing. Very busy in those two years. Yeah, a lot busy happened. a couple of
1: years and obviously I was working full-time in my, my original job and then I sort I of went down to part time just at the turn of this year because actually one thing I didn't mention was we got a, a residency at a brewery for six months so that was a good period just to see how it is to run a business full time You know, order every week and deal with customers and have a fixed site so we did that for six months but then over that period I thought to myself there's so many amazing suppliers that we are using that no, no one knows about down here so it would be great to work with them and like stock them and the only way to really do that would be to open a, a deli and it would give us our own kitchen, our own space that we could you know, create, create ourselves, uh, design in our own way. Um, so that's what we've basically been doing since May uh, and that'll be opening in January.
0: Amazing. I'm so excited for that. And you've brought down some of the drinks that you're going to sell, which is so delicious. Yeah. Can you just talk about my favourite was the chilli and strawberry one? Just yeah. to give a little plug of that one. Yes, yeah, so this like company's that.
1: called Rapscallion Soda. A Guy called Gregor started this. He used to work in brewing and distilling, so his focus is all about like getting the most flavour out of any ingredient. And their their sole focus is about uh, Scottish soft fruits. So they use like blueberries, strawberries, and raspberries to make these amazing drinks. Like the strawberry one has Scotch bonnet in it, so it's all about balancing flavours. And that's an example of like the quality uh, that we get from Scotland that people don't really think about. We have some chocolate called Bare Bones that's made in East End of Glasgow. They're amazing. Uh, we also have our milk coming from Ayrshire, like an organic farm called Moscow. Our flour for the bread will come from Edinburgh. We have coffee roasted on the Isle of Skye and then smoked fish, cheese, you know, the list goes on and on. So when you put all of that together, I think a lot of people will be quite surprised when they come in and see that, you know, it's not just like a deep fried Mars bar or, yeah. you know, a, a bottle of wine brew, even though we'll obviously have probably we'll have both of them, to be honest. Because I think it's important to recognise that every food culture is very varied. Uh, we have deep fried food, obviously, but we also have like really fresh food like oysters, langoustines, venison, really nice cheese. So that's the whole point of the, the shop really is to just to show off that diversity and quality.
0: Definitely. I can't wait to come down. And where does your food get made now? Because I know you said you started making it in your flat and I assume you're going to make a lot of it in the deli. But at the moment, where does your food get made?
1: So at the moment, we are just doing events. So we're doing Catering for the Scottish Government, we're lucky that they have quite a, a pretty decent kitchen down there. So if we ever do events with them, we'll be down there using that kitchen. If I'm doing, like, smaller events, I still use the flat kitchen, the exact same one I started in. And, you know, it's not big, but I've managed to accumulate so much cooking kit over the years that I, I can bet. pretty much make anything, any space work. Um, and then, yeah, when we get into the deli, which will be very soon, we'll have our like own fully kitted out kitchen with all the kit, which is going to make a huge difference. Um, so yeah really changed the game for us
0: that's going to be so good and you've had a few different residencies and collaborations since starting i know you mentioned a few of them but could you just talk me through a few of the others that you didn't mention like gordo's pizza hot for you some of that sort yeah. of stuff. yes
1: so i'll start with the Gordo's one so yeah jesse at gordo's i mean before i got into actually setting up the business i was a massive foodie fan and all of these businesses were like you know i was proper fan, fan fanboying over um, so they had a pizza shop in Dalston and I live around the corner and I used to go see Jesse and get pizza from him. So he was one of the first people I wanted to collaborate when we set up the business. We actually had a, a Christmas pop-up down in the market with him and Drew from Cold Sauce, where we made like a calzone uh, with haggis and the Cold Sauce butter in there, which was super cool. Um, so we've had like three or four with Jesse and that's been huge. The, the Hot For You one, that was around the time that Scotland played England in the Euros in June 2021. So, basically, the whole of Scotland descended on London for the game. And then we had a a pop-up down at the Plough. I mean... Just to summarise like, how bad I was at, at this at the start, Like I went to the pub before the, the prep started in the morning before my mates from Glasgow. I had eight, eight pints of Guinness. Stop it. And I was supposed to be there for midday um, and I basically was just like demoted to like one job uh, and I couldn't even do that because I like, grated my thumb and then dropped all of oh, the, my the turnip that I had grated like for about an hour and a half on the floor. So they had to start again. I was just like sent to the back and I remember Matthew who, who was, who, well, he has Pappy now, but he was with Hot For You. He was just like, you know, I'll take it as like your first pop-up that you just have to not do this in the future because <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not getting paid for this basically, which is totally fair. But it was a great night anyway, um, and I continue to enjoy <laughs> oh, some Guinness so
0: funny. Oh my gosh. Lessons learned, eh? Oh, yeah. Writing. So, speaking about stalls that you have ran very well, I know you've been on Lower Stable Street before. Actually, we met just outside Voices Studio where we're recording this, and you're a very popular guy. You knew everyone on the street, obviously, from being here before, and Abby actually said, who helps run the podcast, that it was her favourite food stall. Charmer. So, how was your time here at Lower Stable Street?
1: It was great here, as I say. It was it was a new market for us, not in the sense that it's a new food market, but it was like new exposure to different people. Uh, it's obviously getting busier and busier over the years. Great spot to be. Also, all the team here were just so helpful. I mean, it was going from taking down like a free by free gazebo at the old market and having to set it up ourselves, and I used to have to hire a van. Uh, which was like the guy charged me 100 quid and I don't think I made that in the, the day so I was losing money and I came down here and everything was like set up, ready to go uh, lovely stalls on the street some old friends and new new friends as well when we first came down um, so it's been really, really helpful for us and I'm looking forward to coming back down in the future when we have the daily open to do some one-off markets
0: So where does the name Old Hag come from? I have to know
1: Yeah, so Old Hag is it's obviously a cartoon it's a creature and the reason it's a creature is because growing up, my granddad, and I'm sure other people's granddads in Scotland, would always say that haggis was a was a creature you had to catch for for Burns Night. So you didn't buy haggis, you had to go catch it in the woods. Uh, and <laughs> there's like a bit of folklore around it, like people would always draw sketches of what haggis might look like. I mean, it's a bit like Santa Claus, you know, nobody really knows, like maybe maybe there is one, but... Uh, I think it just Let's comes hope that's no kids listening
0: to this and you just ruined their Christmas yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh sorry but yeah so that was that that was the basis for it and on my head I just always thought of a like haggis because I guess it was my grandpa and he's old like we could make it the old hag um, and I kind of played a little bit on my grand, you know granny scooter walking stick Make this old grumpy haggis. Not that my grand's grumpy, but the, the haggis is, um, and we can put it in any scenario we like. And I think the main thing with the the creature is, it's moving away from really traditional Scottish food, which is always like tartan, bagpipes. The poetry has to come out, and I think like so much fanfare can put people off because they're like, well, I we don't have tartan, I don't have bagpipes, so can I eat Scottish food. And it's like we don't we don't need all of that all the time. You know, we can just have something a bit more memorable and easy to approach and hopefully funny you know people will laugh at it uh, especially when we put the old tag in different scenarios um and it's again something we can use as merch and, and make a laugh out of it so that's that's where the name came from
0: yeah definitely i feel like your branding really stood out to me it's just memorable it's like it's funny it's like simple but very effective as well
1: yeah i mean that's the goal uh, the goal as i say was there's not a lot of, as I say, traditional Scottish food that you you remember. I mean, there's some fantastic brands out there, but I think Scotland lacks a bit of humour in branding uh, when it comes to what we are doing. Um, so hopefully we've achieved that. And, you know, I'll put some tartan in the shop probably, but I didn't want to go too crazy. And I think I'm drawing, to be honest, on influence from other East London brands as well who have done that. And I've I've lived in London for about 10 years now and I've had a chance to eat it with some of these brands and i think i've just taken influence from them and tried to run with it
0: yeah you i love the logo so looking forward i know you're opening your new shop in angel in january 2024 which will be london's first ever scottish cafe slash deli so could you paint the picture of what people can expect when they walk through those doors what's going to be going on in there what's going to be sold in there
1: yes yeah, so in the morning it's going to open about eight in the morning so we're going to catch that crowd going to work you'll be able to get the coffee from this guy as I said we'll have all our milk and oat milk coming down from Scotland we're going to have some morning rolls which is a product that's unique to Scotland so this is a roll that has a bit of fat in it so it traditionally does have lard but you know nowadays it's easier to make it with vegetable shortening so everyone can have it and it's like a really crispy chewy roll you serve that with square sausage, tatty scone, egg, black pudding. So people will be able to come grab one of them or like a nice pot of porridge or you know a really nice traditional Scottish breakfast that you can't get in London at the moment. Then as it goes into lunchtime, you will have things like Scotch pies. Again, you can't really get them uh, we're going to bake our own tin loaf in the shop. We're going to bake loads of nice pastries and cakes that all come from Scotland. And then all of the ingredients for the sandwiches will be like Scottish pork, Scottish beef. There'll be um, Arbroath smoky patty, Orkney crab, things like that. And we've also got a couple of beer taps as well. So we've got an alcohol licence. And the best part about that is we've partnered up with tenants. And tenants only have beer in one bar at the moment, I believe, in London, which is Scottish Doors in King's Cross, just next to us. So we'll be the second place that has tenants on draft, which is great. And then we'll have another smaller Scottish brewery on draft and then a bunch of ciders and pre-mixed cocktails. You know the Pocket Negronis?
0: Yes. So they're they're,
1: they're made in Edinburgh. So they're Scottish. So we've got quite a good... they pack quite the
0: punch. They're quite strong, those. And then
1: no doubt we'll have a wee... Few bottles of but fastener food, as well, just for the nod to that. Um, but yeah, all this, all this, and then also, then um, all the products in the shelves will all be from Scotland as well. Sound like a broken record, but it'll be, as I say, chocolate, crisps, jams, preserves, sauces you name it. It'll, um, it'll be different, it'll be different Everything to your usual organic you can ever need.
0: Exactly. That sounds so good. I'm definitely going to come down. Yep. So, what would you say is one of the most rewarding parts of your job?
1: Rewarding, most rewarding part right now, for sure, is working with these producers and suppliers up in scotland and helping them to to get their name out down here because they're all doing really 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 good things um and at the moment like they're some of them are just kicking off so being able to give them a spot that they, they're they definitely going to get stocked down here is really good and hopefully over time they can move into other other shops as well and um, so i'm just really proud to represent these brands up in scotland
0: definitely and what would you say is the most challenging part of your job?
1: Probably most challenging. It's a bit of a boring answer. It's probably like a bit of a procedural answer. But see, actually getting the products down from Scotland is so hard. And oh, this is more like a business challenge. But I think reliably getting all of this stuff down every single week is going to be difficult because we're doing something, because we're starting from scratch, so we don't have like these supply lines that we can just tap into. We're going to have to try and do that ourselves. Um, so it's going to be a bit of an uphill struggle to do that but you know we've already made some inroads and I'm confident that we can do it the right way if we you know we're the ones that get to decide how it's done so it'll be pretty cool
0: definitely and then reflecting back what would you say is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned along the way
1: lesson probably another boring one or cliche but I'd say you just have to do something if it if it makes you feel like really nervous um like this weekend yeah let's talk I'm about going, that actually, I'm going on Saturday rad. kitchen this weekend, so I guess when this comes out, it'll all be over and hopefully I'll You'll still feel be, calm I'll be again. Cool. Um, but yeah, like it's the sort of thing that I would probably, if I had the choice and it didn't have any impact, you'd probably say no and just, you know, live a nice quiet life. But you have to say yes to these things and really push your your brand, put yourself out there. Because even if, like, you don't get, you know, an influx of 100,000 people wanting to, to shop, even if one person uh, finds out about you, it could be like, you know, the best person to find out about you. So I think always put yourself out there when you feel uncomfortable and it usually pays off.
0: Definitely, and I feel like you've done such a full circle moment to being grounded watching the kicking, cooking shows, and now you're going to be on one on Saturday. That's I know mad. I
1: know it's going to be surreal. As I said like earlier, it probably feels like I'm going to be in Madame Tussauds where I'm just on a set that isn't real, and then when the cameras go on, I'll I'll just have to snap into action, and I'll, I'll just yeah, just have to go for you it. Will. So it'll be You'll fine. You'll smash it. That'll be all good.
0: You're going to nail it. So future plans? Let's talk about that. So obviously you've got your shop, but what are you expecting like a future day to look like at the shop? Or have you got anything else coming up?
1: Well, yeah, I think maybe if I look at the future, I mean, the the shop's going to be the first bricks and mortar site. The goal in my head, I probably only thought about this yesterday. Um, this, This could be an idea. So I think the shop would be the start and that could be a deli. I also think there's a market for like a Scottish bar, which might sound a bit niche, but I think people in Scotland have like, a real love for tenants. People have a real love for like other drinks. Again that you don't really get down here. And it'd be kinda cool to open a bar that's just dedicated to like bar snacks, ability to drink those those beers and like bring a lot of people together to experience like a new way of drinking. And I don't mean getting absolutely smashed and causing a riot, but I just mean Getting to try new things that people haven't ever tried before, and then we can like design a bar menu to fit the the alcohol. Because at the moment with the cafe, it's the other way around. It's much more like here's some beers to go with all of the food. So I feel like we could maybe do something like that. Uh, I need to come up with any name, name of that. But over time, as well, like in terms of the business, we want to have our own product range. So we want to try and get in supermarkets and you know make our own Tatty scones, label our own um like patties and, and meats and things like that and become a brand. Because I think like that that's the whole point of the, the old hag was to eventually become a brand rather than just a shop. So that's what we're we'll trying to do over time. I
0: feel like as well that would be such a good present. Or like with Christmas coming up and stuff like that. It would be such a good present.
1: Yeah. Gifting. Yeah and if like an example would be someone in southeast of of England who can't get into London. You know, we get some messages like do you guys deliver these products to the south east and obviously i have to say no at the, no at the moment but over time if we could have like our own branded stuff and then we could get like a little delivery system going where we can ship products out to to like Kent and surrey and and essex because honestly the, the Scottish people are everywhere so if we can help them get their stuff and not they all have to currently bring it back in suitcases or get their family to send it down which obviously is expensive so we can help them then fantastic
0: Old hag worldwide eventually. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but a side story, do you know haggis is banned in America? Is it? Yeah.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. It's because um, lung is illegal in America, believe it or not. So oh you can't use lung. Okay, we'll just keep it UK so, based then. Yeah, yeah, unless, yeah, we'll see, we'll see if Biden wants the opposite.
0: So, a bit of a different question: What is the one book, or it could be a film, or an exhibition, or some sort of like creative format that someone wanting to get into, perhaps food or starting their own business, should consume? Would you recommend?
1: I probably say what, what I mentioned earlier, River Cottage, being because if, like as I say, my my childhood was, I wasn't interested in vegetables, I wasn't interested in normal food, I guess. Um, and if you can see, like, the story behind food, how it's made, like, where it comes from, and be inspired to maybe grow some vegetables or, like, grow some herbs in your, your flat or learn about where chicken actually comes from, it can really help you get into food. And, like, if you grow a potato, you're more likely to eat it than, like, your grand-servant are massively overboiled and tasting or nothing, which is probably my life. So, once I learned, like, growing more potatoes, then uh, I started to eat them. How basic is that? But simple things like that can really change how you approach food. Just learn where it's from. And I think River College is good, good for that.
0: I love that. And then where is the one place in King's Cross, apart from obviously when your store was here, that everyone should check out and why?
1: I would say Voices Radio, which obviously yes. I'm here. But <laughs> I would say that because it's unique in that it can change a quiet street into outdoor nightclub in the the summer especially when the decks are brought out in the street you can go and get some cans from House of Cans you can come have a little drink in the street and it's a party and you basically just enjoy the music until the sun goes down I think that's very rare so
0: yeah I love that answer perfect (laughs) and then just to finish where is your where can people find you online so social media website plug all of the good stuff like that
1: instagram is just a-u-l-d-h-a-g underscore so old hag and um, website is old and yeah that's all i'm on that's it
0: amazing thank you so much greg for coming on the podcast and also best of luck saturday
1: thank you very much appreciate it